Hi, welcome to Back to Excited, episode 156. My name is Irvin. Joining me as always, my colleague from PensionPanPuppets.com. It's Acting the Fuleman. Hi, everybody. How are you doing, Fuleman? I'm fine. I can't say as much for the hockey team. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I guess I guess I could say the same. Um, yeah, I mean, let's not let's not let's not beat around the bush here. Uh, the Leafs have played three games since we last chatted. They have lost all three, in I guess varying degrees of um, of I guess concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, the the losses had had different features about them. That's the thing about the Leafs when they lose. They give you different things to talk about with each loss, you know, and we appreciate that. So, I mean, without any further ado, we can we can just we can just dive in to what happened this week. Um, started off with a, a loss against the Rangers in overtime, and this is, I would say, the least concerning of those losses in the sense that, you know, the Rangers I don't think are a very good team. They 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 got a lot more grit charity in the off season at the expense of trading good players like Pavel Buchnevich. Um, and the Leafs generally dominated play, and Igor Shosturkin just, you know, had a game, and he'll do that sometimes. He's very good. Yeah, I think there were a lot of people who are, at this point, very impatient with the idea that the Leafs ever get goalied, because we've described the Leafs as getting goalied enough times, and it's Mm -hmm. happened in some big series, somewhat against Carey Price last year, more than someone, and then especially against Columbus um, the year before. That said... There are games where you say you're getting goalied, but really the chances that you're generating are not as good. Right, as they like might it's. Appear. I I feel like when you get goalied, it has to be something to the effect of, it's not like we were mildly better than the other team and their goalie performed slightly better than ours and therefore they won. It was like against the Rangers, we were significantly better at carrying chances, and 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 play throughout, and Shesterkin was just absurd. Made some. Ten dollars. Um, now, I think we can end it on, on end the discussion of the New York, New York game there because frankly, it's not that interesting. The other two games are a lot more concerning and are the ones where we that we want to discuss. And in those, I am not going to say the Leafs got goalied. So me saying the Leafs got goalied in um, the Monday game against the Rangers—that is the nicest thing I'm going to say about them for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, they don't deserve anything nice about what happened. Against the San Jose Sharks and then against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So we'll start with San Jose, who are at least ostensibly not a very good team. They've started okay <laughs> this year, but they're coming off. Weren't they four and zero actually? Like, yeah. They, they... So maybe this is the beginning of the uh, the ascendancy of the San Jose Sharks once again. But I don't think so. And more to the point, they don't seem like that good a team. But they were also tired coming off a back-to-back the Leafs were rested and playing at home at 6 p.m. weirdly enough there was not really a great excuse for the Leafs to look like a lesser team and you can debate the extent to which they actually did that definitely the fact that the Leafs were playing Michael Hutchinson didn't help Um, he was bad and we'll talk a little bit about him as we go Um, you can even say he cost him the win but the Leafs have a way of being unimpressively better than bad teams sometimes, where you're like, yeah, I'd probably say they somewhat outplayed the competition for most or some of the game, but they didn't put up a great margin, and they didn't look like, wow, this team is definitively the better and more dangerous squad. Yeah, they they, they play these games where, I don't know, they're, they're 
win percentage if you look at expected goals is probably like 60 percent and it's yeah. like okay cool i'd rather it be 60 percent than 40 percent but you know 60 percent is not overwhelming in a game yeah and you know if we were fans of another team making fun of the leafs as i like to make fun of the habs i would say hey the answer is staring you guys in the face this team just isn't that great mm. they're slightly above average very flawed and that's the kind of outcome you get when you're slightly above average and very flawed is you'll have games where you're a little better and it's not enough. Now, Hutchinson is the third string goalie, uh, as we'll discuss. So they were always going to be at kind of a disadvantage there. But still, it was pretty unimpressive for a team that has pretensions to being a contender. Yeah, that, that's the thing that underlies all of this, right? The, the Leafs are have acted and are behaving and by all accounts should be a contender. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, obviously we don't have any playoff success to justify that claim, but it, based on the names on the roster and based on how we've been behaving over the past few years, we see ourselves as a team that needs to win mm-hmm. and, and should win. And there's essentially no excuse for not, you know, significantly outplaying a not that great San Jose team. And I, again, I know they're 4-0 or whatever. Maybe they've lost since then. But I, I, know, I know they have had a good record. That doesn't make them a great team. No, and right? the Leafs' current record doesn't mean that they're an abject disaster, although they feel that way in my heart. Yeah. And there are certainly things that are concerning. Um, maybe most prominently the Pittsburgh game, which was the worst of the three. Yes, yeah, it's a real... <laughs> <laughs> the monotonic function in this case of how yeah. bad the losses were. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, I mean, okay. I think it got away from them. It's worth noting three of the first four goals against were deflections. Yeah. And you can say if you get a little bit luckier, that doesn't happen. Maybe some deflections go the other way. Maybe the whole momentum is different and you're not putting in Michael Hutchinson for the third period. Um,. Yeah, but they also just imploded. Right. I mean, (laughs) what happens in the third period isn't that concerning to me. It's just, again, like, yeah, you can say those goals were a little fluky and whatnot. But we're not putting ourselves in position to avoid, to to inure ourselves to fluke or to luck. Right. Right? And obviously, you know, that's not possible to do to a full extent. Like, every, you know, the, the 2007 Red Wings lost games and lost games where they got unlucky right but the best teams put themselves in situations where they don't need everything to go right to get a win they certainly don't need everything to go right to get a win against a pittsburgh team that is without crosby without malkin without Latang, without uh was gensel playing oh no gensel, gensel was, playing. was playing but jeff carter was not. jeff carter wasn't yeah right uh, yeah and that's the thing the other thing is that obviously it still feels a little absurd to talk about luck too extensively when you lose 7-1. Yeah. <laughs> like, a lot of things had to, had to go pretty badly for you to end up in that situation. And that in this situation where it's like, okay, a really good team you would think would take care of business. And you might say, okay, but even a really good team could have everything go against them and just have a complete dud of a game. And an inspired squad of Pittsburgh journeymen who wanted to show that they belong in the NHL got a little heated up and played well. That thing can happen, but as myriad people have pointed out, 
we're so deep into this Leafs team not taking care of business yeah, that it's, it's a not a believable excuse anymore. It, it this isn't like this isn't like Tampa laying an egg against against some team, which they do from time to time, right? Tampa's proven it, mm-hmm. and I'd argue they'd proven it even before they won two cups, right? They had made deep runs before, like they they, they even at their worst, you know, after the sweep to Columbus, Tampa had a lot more credence, a lot more benefit of the doubt than we than we do as a, as a team. The Leafs don't have any. Uh, any credibility as as a as a contender right now, and even less so when they just keep finding ways to lose in spectacularly shitty ways. It, this is this is this seven one loss to you know the dregs of Pittsburgh, and I mean again with all due respect to those players who are very good players and who kick the ass of the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know this is Pittsburgh. This is Pittsburgh is also a top heavy team, and this is a top heavy <laughs> team without all of its stars. Yes, and I saw someone us up. in the comments somewhere saying, okay, if um, Matthews, Tavares, let's say Marner, were all out, and then maybe the best, so maybe Morgan Riley to give you a Latang mm-hmm. equivalent, would you expect the Leafs, as they remained, to beat up on a healthy Pittsburgh team? No, you would not. <laughs> you would say, oh, well, we're going to be fucked because our first line center is like, what, Alex Kerfoot? It's... They were playing Evan Rodriguez first on center. That was a guy we decided we didn't want. <laughs> I thought we offered him a contract, and he said, no, I'm better off in Pittsburgh. But the contract was for 750 k Yeah. So, anyway, however that played out, that's not stiff competition. And, you know, like, we're at a point now where we're saying, okay, we keep presuming that this team is supposed to be a contender because they act like it, they're paid like it, they talk like it, and yet... What's our evidence for believing that? Well, uh, I guess some nice regular seasons. That have now we don't been... even have that. Yeah, and like now we're getting to this point, and there are things that we will talk about in some more detail that concern us. But like, at this point, if you were a detached observer just coming in and looking at the Leafs, without preconceptions, without investment in all the ups and downs that they've taken to get here. You would say, yeah, this is a team that just is not as good as it thinks it is and routinely proves that. And if they want to do anything to change our minds on that, it would have been really difficult to do it in the regular season, as we've said. The regular season can only matter in a negative sense for this team. But they don't have to go out and fulfill the negative sense (laughs) the way that they're doing, living down to our lowest expectations. Mm Mm-hmm. And again, you can look at the all-season numbers. The Leafs have generally controlled more chances than their opponent. They're finishing terribly. And you can say, okay, that probably won't continue. I agree, that probably won't continue. Right? I don't think the Leafs are going to be a bottom feeder. Mm -hmm. Right? But is there evidence that this is a team that is going to be a contender? No. And I would also say we don't have that much margin for error in the regular season. Yeah, I know uh, Dom Lushishan was posting this morning that he originally had Toronto as favored to win the Atlantic. And, you know, I thought, and I think even he sort of hinted, that was probably a rosy estimate. But that's gone. Florida is now the favorite to win the division. And even if you think the Leafs are good, let's say they're a 105-point team. You know, you have situations where you play against San Jose 
and Pittsburgh. Both teams in pretty vulnerable situations where you would be hoping to pick up maybe two or three points and you get zero. Well, you don't have to do that too many times to eat away at your margin over a playoff spot. You know, to to drop out of the hundreds into the 90s. But if, you know, this, this... it, this impacts the probability that we make it far in the postseason. I'd rather you'd rather have a high seed than a low seed, right? right? What if we get into the wild card and we have to face you know a pretty dominant looking Florida team? Yeah, and right? so all of that is bad. Like I don't. It's difficult to keep this in perspective in saying like, okay, it's six games, losses like this feel disproportionately heavy, and yet you can't escape a the history of this team underperforming and B the future of the difficulties this team is going to run into. It's just trying to strike that balance of how worried should we be? And I think the answer is not a hundred, but the answer is also not zero. Mm-hmm. And not that I think there was too much risk of anyone being completely unworried in the Leafs fan base, but maybe we should specify in some detail, like what players are we really worried about? Yeah. That um, would probably be helpful. Yeah. And I think number one on both of our lists is Jake Muzzin. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm not, I don't think that he's gotten the most press as someone to worry about. That will be our next player. But I think that this is a really, really serious concern because he has looked bad. He appears to be dealing with a nagging injury to judge by his maintenance days from practice. But he was dreadful against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Very, very no, poor. He, on the ice for four goals against, and I mean the the XG numbers were better, but like, it just I, I guess you never look great when four goals go in on you as a defenseman, but it, it still didn't look pretty. Yeah, and he got absolutely walked by Michael Matheson um, on a goal that Matheson finished with a wraparound. Um, it's not good. I, I don't know what to say now. Jake Muzzin is not a fast skater and never has been, and. He's done fine in spite of that because he's physically strong. He's very astute at reading the play. He knows where to go, where to stand. He can sort of shut off plays and tangle them up before his speed is really proven to be a concern. But still, it's it was never a strength, and any atrophy in his speed, in his mobility, is going to start getting pretty striking against fast players who can already outspeed him. If he's getting worse now and we have a lot of reason to expect he would he has an injury history he's 32 the Leafs are in serious trouble because he was their best 5v5 defense in the last two years I think the way you put it in our notes was was quite honest and you said we're fucked mm-hmm. and I think that's true if Jake Muzzin is not Jake Muzzin anymore we're fucked we are yeah. not a contender yeah like the Leafs being surprisingly decent defensively the last two years which was a real thing to be clear I don't think that that was illusory uh, was partly premised on they could put out two pretty good pairings, including a surprisingly competent defensive pairing with Muzzin and Hall. Muzzin was obviously the anchor of that pairing. He was by far the more important. And people are complaining about Justin Hall, and that's fine. He hasn't been great. But Muzzin is the strength there. And I think when Muzzin is playing like he can, he can carry people. As he is right now, it's not happening. And all we can do is hope that it gets better. If he needs some time to recover from something, they should give it to him now. Mm-hmm. Um, as painful as that is to contemplate with the team scuffling in October. Because he is too important and too hard to replace. 
Um, I, I, I gotta, like, just hammer that. As much as certain other bigger names and bigger salaries are a concern, for the immediate prospects of this team contending, Jake Muzzin is the hardest thing to replace. Yeah. And the most worrying to me from how he's performed. Um, and, and, I mean, the, the thing is, our results defensively in general have not been good this year. And it, it's six games. Offense is always higher, generally, to start the year. Mm-hmm. But it's been most noticeable. The defensive slide has been most noticeable with that, that Muzzin group. Mm-hmm. And, and you'd hope maybe spending more time with, with Matthews and, and Marner, who I guess we're going to talk about, will, will help. But it's, it's a real, real concern. We have ze- we're not that great a team. So uh, 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 these models that view the Leafs so highly, part of the reason they view the Leafs so highly is because they view Jake Muzzin as a you know basically low-end, top-quality defender, or top-pair defender. Mm-hmm. Right? And we're p- playing him on our second pair, so we have some advantage there. And, and they, they view Riley and uh, Brody similarly in, in, in skill, although in different ways. Right? Riley more with his offense and his power play. Productions, Brody more with 5v5 defense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that that's, to your point, Fulman, you know, to the extent that we've had an improved defensive core at, uh, you know, over the past couple years, it's been because we now have three pretty good defensemen. And then a few other guys who can at least survive and are, can even thrive in depth roles. One thing we should mention, Sandine and Dermot and Lilligren have, have looked fine. Like Dur- Dermot, I thought, has actually looked good this year. Uh, yeah, on the third so. pair on his right side. So it's like, okay, cool. We, we, we continue to learn that Travis Dermott can do well in third pairing minutes now, regardless of which side he's on. Great. And, um, you know, that that's a modest thing, but, yeah, he's kind of plateauing there. Sandine, I think, has been very impressive as a playmaker, as a passing hmm. defenseman. Yeah. I think, like, he can do that. He's going to be really good at that. He's going to be an NHL defenseman. I'm quite confident. He already is. Um, the game isn't complete there yet. And how good he's going to be defensively is an open question. And we'll yes. determine how high he flies. Yes, but, and the thing is, there's, there's no... I think it would be really, really rosy to say, okay, well, maybe Sandine can take over some of Muzzin's minutes if there's a drop-off. It's like, oh, okay, that's... I mean, maybe. We, we, I, don't, I don't see a better option if Muzzin's, if Muzzin's cooked. But yeah, well... I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling amazing about that either. No, I, I mean, I think if it comes to that... It's possible what you do is you go back to the sort of thing that we were dealing with for a long time, which is to start giving tougher minutes to Morgan Riley mm. again and TJ Brody and hope that they're enough. Um, that's not an ideal solution for a million reasons we've already talked about. But if Muzzin is in decline, at some point it will become a question, okay, do we keep giving him the toughest work we can hand out? Or do we say, maybe we got to adjust... Mm-hmm. Um, the name that probably people would have expected to start this list is Mitch Marner. Yeah. And, you know, we said a week ago he was basically playing fine. And I think he basically was playing fine. I think he's had a rough week, certainly. Not uh, alone in that regard. Not at all alone in that regard. But, I mean, the reality is, we're not just talking about six games with Mitch Marner, because of course we're not. Everyone's saying, well, it's only been six games. Yeah. We're, not, we're not talking about six games with anyone. No. Right. No. With, again, th- we have to hammer this home. This team ha- hasn't earned any benefit of the doubt. I, I saw this comment on, on PPP today, which is that 
every single time that this team goes up against someone they where the you know the odds are laughably in their circumstances, mm-hmm. they choke. And maybe this is confirmation bias. Um, they listed, I guess, a handful of events: the the David Ayers game, the five one against Ottawa, mm-hmm. uh, Vancouver beating us when they ha- were just basically just COVID, COVIDed through. Yeah. Um, the 3-1 lead against Montreal, now this game. I'm sure there are some games where the odds were in our favor and we won. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like there, there have been a large amount of these types of losses. It is very hard to avoid the conclusion that either A, this team just sucks in the face of adversity. Like, when they get knocked down, they think, ah, oh, fuck, here we go again. And to be honest, that was the vibe from the Pittsburgh game. Um, I feel like, I mean, I, again, I don't think Leafs fans are unique here. All fans think that their club is like uniquely, you know, faltering or that goalies yeah. are specifically good against their club and, and things like that. But I think every Leafs fan <laughs> saw Evan Rodriguez one center, first line center and was like, okay, we're losing. Yeah, th- th- like this is over. But and I mean that sincerely though. You would never bet on this team as a sure thing. Like if, like if you had to bet your life on a sports team to achieve a fairly basic victory, you certainly wouldn't be picking the Leafs as your candidate to say. Even your if life, you were restricted right? to a hockey team generally. Yeah. Like you just you wouldn't trust them. And they've earned that distrust so many times. And so Mitch Marner, as a core component of that team gets hit with some of that. With Marner, it's compounded by the fact that I think he is a complimentary player. We've talked about this before. He needs someone who's playing effectively towards the middle of the ice that he can work off. It doesn't mean he's bad. It doesn't mean he doesn't have superlative talents. It's just he's more on the perimeter. And I firmly believe that to be true. And so when it's not working for him, when the puck is not going in the way that he would hope, he looks kind of useless. Um, that's not totally fair to him. His contributions can be more subtle, but he looks like a guy who's lingering around the outside and not working the puck into really dangerous chances, even though we know that he can do that, that he can contribute to chances. Um, when you have one assist in six games, people are going to start talking and you can say, well, that's points-based analysis. That's not fair, but the points are why he makes that money Mm. beyond a certain point. Ha ha. I think he is responsible for just raw production because that's the level that he's operating at. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, people take this personally with Mitch Marner. Like, they're just, they're angry at him as an avatar for all the disappointments that the team has had. It takes a village to be this bad, to use that classic catch line. It's not just on him by any means. And I don't think that people should be douchebags about it. But at the same time, I get the frustration. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think Marner also doesn't do himself any favors with how he comes off in the media. He he's incredibly assured of himself, yeah. which is which he should be. He's a world class athlete, but it comes off at times as very flippant, mm-hmm. especially when the team or he is not performing well. F- you know, fans want I guess some sort of contrition, and Marner's just like, no, we're good. We'll, we'll be fine. Yeah, right? we'll I'll, just be I'll confident, be fine. buckle yeah. down, we'll, we'll get him next time. And you know what? That may be a more conducive attitude to winning the next game. 
Absolutely. I mean, so, if you're a pro athlete, yeah. I mean, I, I was talking, who and I were talking about this, and I was mentioning, I, I deal very poorly with stress. Like, it, it permeates various aspects of my life. If I was a hockey player and I was going through a slump, I would be, like, especially in a media market like Toronto, I would be a wreck, right? And I, I think having the confidence and the assuredness to withstand those is a very good thing generally, right? I think it has, it's partially, you know, the NHL weeds out people like me who, you know, if it, even if it wasn't for my lack of athletic talent. Right, it would it would weed out people like me who who can't deal with those situations. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, speaking personally, I would do what I sometimes see Mitch Marner trying to do. I think, which is overthinking it and trying too much, <laughs> or or just you know, getting really you know gripping my stick too tight, for lack of a better phrase. Um, and it's it's hard to read in that psychology, but absolutely. I, I think he's in a position where it's just a no-win for him. Uh, people are too angry with how that negotiation played out, with how the team has done since in the face of very lofty expectations. Um, and now we're at a point where a lot of people wanted him traded over the summer, and I wanted to explore it, to be clear. Not for personal reasons, just because I wasn't sure the team was built very well. And we didn't get that trade. And a lot of people are thinking we are going to tank this season because we committed to this core that doesn't deserve commitment from us or from the team. Yeah. And I mean, there's also no hope of us getting, you know, at, this, is the, this is the year with Shane Wright, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. There's no hope of us getting that really because we're, or not no hope, but it, it's, it's not like we can, you know, take a one-year tank and then, um, you know, pick, pick up a high draft pick. Play Michael because, Hutchinson every game and see what happens. Well, that's, that's true. But <laughs> the team is too good to to be a bottom feeder is, is the likely reality, short yeah. of insane injuries or just some preposterous run of finishing or goaltending. Uh, there, there is still too much talent to underperform a lot of the other really bad teams in the league. Absolutely. And, and so, look, this team is committed to contending or trying to contend whether or not it's good enough for it. Mitch Marner is going to produce more than this. He will. He can't produce less. <laughs> so, you know, either he produces the same or more. But I do think it may be time to give him a jolt by putting him on the Tavares line or something. They were obviously a very effective pairing. But at just this point, speaking of human psychology, I think you almost need to impose something different to help people believe that things will be different in outcome even if really what you're counting on is regression to the mean. Yeah, and maybe this is a good segue to just talk about, like, really what do we do from here? I know we want to talk about uh, Hutchinson a bit as well, but we can save that to the end. He, I mean, I think our thoughts on, on Hutchinson are, are that he's a third goalie and he sucks, but that's what most third goalies do. Yeah, I, to be clear, like, I would like someone better, but your third string goalie... Either you drafted him and he's waivers exempt, or you got him very early in his growth curve, or he has to clear waivers, which means he's probably worse than about the 64th best goalie in the NHL system. Michael Hutchinson plays like he's maybe the 70th best goalie. <laughs> and last season, he was only a little below expected. You know, he had a 919 save percentage for whatever that's worth, and they won games with him. 
This year, he's had a couple of bad games. And you can say, like, go get someone better. But I think the answer to go get someone better would have been draft a goalie that was going to pan out in 2016. Mm. Um, so, I don't know. It's too bad, but I don't actually hold that one against Dubas. He got two guys, put two guys in front of Hutchinson, and unfortunately, this is how it worked out. Yeah. So I think one of the big problems, and I think the big one of the big sources of frustration with Leafs fans is like everything that we suggest to try here is deck chairs on the Titanic, right? It's like okay, well, who do we trade? Not trading Matthews, obviously. Can't trade Tavares. Are you, are you trading Nylander? He's probably been our best player this year. Um, and trading Marner is is much more of an off season move than an in season move because of, for cap reasons. Yeah, I mean, right? <laughs> so okay, try that, that's for Eichel. <laughs> that, that, I mean, may, maybe maybe that situation is soured enough, but yeah, I mean, yeah, we talked to to Kevin about that, and he, that wasn't the package that the Sabers were looking for, and I, I still think they would favor young guys. Yeah, unless the price has really dipped to the point where they're actually not getting much back for him at all. Mm-hmm. But well, uh, and that that the other thing is like, as annoyed as everyone is with Marner. If you ship him off for an Eichel who is, like, permanently borked, that's also not good. Yeah, you're going to be regretting that for a long time, if that's how that pans out. So, yeah, I, it's a difficult situation, and we're in October. Yes. Like, this is not going to get easier to endure. No, and it's... Again, what do you do? Can you, who, who can you trade on this roster that makes a difference? Who, who is really underperforming? Well, yeah. right now it's the stars. Exactly, right? it's, it's and, the stars and the top defensemen. Exactly. Yeah. If and so it's, you can certainly flip Alex Kerfoot if you feel so inclined, but I don't know that you get very much for him, and you're still left at, boy, I hope that these guys figure it out because, if they don't, it's all academic. Yeah. So, the Leafs need Marner to start scoring. They need Muzzin to start playing like Muzzin. They need Matthew. I mean, Matthews has played two games three games mm-hmm. yeah three games now yeah and he's he's looked more or less like himself but the pucks haven't gone in and again he you he gets paid to put pucks in so that is a, that is a valid criticism of him but he's probably going to be fine long term and and the same is true of marner but we need them to put it together quickly right, right? and I, yeah. I, I the thing is the leafs depth has actually been fine this year I, so uh, the third line had a brutal game last night, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely horrible. But they they were fairly good throughout the first uh, five games. The third pair has been strong throughout the year. Jason Spezza is like the only player on this team worth a damn. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Wayne Simmons awesome. has played quite well, I think, in, in recent games as well. He's He's been active and buzzing and had a valiant, though failed, effort to get the team going. At yeah. that point, Wayne, just save yourself. Like... <laughs> God you don't need him. you don't need to fight. This team isn't worth it. Yeah, <laughs> you deserve better, man. Yeah, like you really do. And, and you know, and bunting has been fun. Good hometown story. Mm. The kind of thing that we'd be enjoying so much more if this team had won four games instead of two. Yes. Um. But yeah, you know, it just comes down to the stars aren't playing well enough. I think you know, John Tavares. There's more reluctance to criticize him because he's coming back from a serious injury. But I also don't think he's played badly. Mm. I, like, I think he's been fine. He might have been off his peak a little bit, but I'm, I'm less concerned about him. 
Like, I think he can keep, keep doing what he's doing, and it'll work I, I, out. I'm not concerned with any of the stars insofar as I think they've lost their ability to play. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, you, you... I think they'll be fine, but we, we can't have the situation where these players who we're counting on to win us games on a consistent basis, because that's the way our salary cap is allocated, mm-hmm. are just absent for three, four games at a time. Right. Right, you need to bring it every single game when you're a player like that. And I know off games happen. They happen for McDavid. They happen for Crosby. They happen for better players than the ones we have. Mm-hmm. But it's it, you know there there there's the reality is we're a top heavy team whose four stars are not appreciably better than the top four forwards on teams who are paying significantly less for those players. And yeah. as a result. We can't rely on our depth because they're getting paid 750k and they're not that great. So when they do something, we're like, okay, great, good. You know, th- that's more than we expected. And we have to rely on our stars. And if our stars are not performing, there's there's no hope. There is zero hope. Yeah. And I think people are confronting that. And that's part of the reason there's so much anger. Um, Mitch Marner, I will say, I'm sure Twitter is not you know, a perfect guide to the actual mood of ordinary people. But my God, Twitter hates him now. Like, really loathes Mitch Marner to an extent that I can't recall seeing for a Leaf player since the advent of Twitter. (laughs) Um, Obviously, that's not universal. I shouldn't say Twitter just is one big entity because there are people who still like him and support him and think that everyone's being very unfair. But... Boy, if <laughs> the truth is, is that I think the way things are going, this ends in him being traded town before he's traded out of town, before he has a chance to leave himself. But one way or another, this feels like the environment is starting to get so bad that I, I could actually see this impairing the relationship in terms of like his willingness to stay here. If he's smart, he stays off the internet a hell of a lot. But like, there's a point <laughs> yeah. at which this would get demoralizing Mm. um anyway that's more speculative um i guess we should talk about nick ritchie briefly uh we (laughs) we we? tried and it didn't work so far it's about it so yeah Uh, we we were i don't know i i forget how we thought about the ritchie sign we we thought okay this seems sort of reasonable it was like eh i thought it was worth a try yeah but man 2.5 million looks like a hell of a lot for him now (laughs) Boy, yeah, uh, you know, he is a guy who knows what to do in the crease. And he doesn't seem to know a hell of a lot about what to do pretty much anywhere else on the ice. And you can see why the Bruins non-qualified him. Now that said, being a guy who can just go to the crease and bat pucks in or whatever should be enough to get you paid. With Matthews and Marner. And they haven't been successful lately. It hasn't worked out for Richie. And now we're at the situation where he's not doing basically the only thing he's for. And all of his other flaws are thrown into sharp relief. He takes dumb penalties. He's done it already. He will keep doing it forever. So I think, like, it's certainly time to take him off that first line as far as I'm concerned. Like, I don't really want to run that experiment too much longer. I... I'm kind of resigned to it. It's not the big problem, as we've been saying. The stars have to get it together, but it, this one isn't working out so well. Yeah, I mean, 
all, all we're resorting to at this point is just jumbling up the lines like okay yeah may, put Kerfoot up there maybe that helps right and yeah. it's it's all just as you said it's stuff that we hope we can do in order for the stars to play like stars again yeah because what else is there left it's, it's this <laughs> or it's a massive trade which the Leafs shied away from making when it would have made more sense in the offseason so I don't I think Dubas is going down with the ship I think he is sense. And he could quite reasonably say, look, whatever decision I made, I should not be changing it based on six games in October. And he absolutely mm-hmm. shouldn't. That doesn't decide whether or not the decision was right, because maybe you should have made the trade then. But this evidence probably doesn't swing the case one way or another. Yeah. Um, so, I guess you put all that together and we're in the same usual position as we seem to be on this podcast we're disappointed with this team who that have great stars that don't always play like great stars pretty much okay well we're gonna be in a bit of a weird spot for our bad take of the week Mm -hmm. uh, this time and that is the spot of defending the sabers fan base (laughs) it's it's weird for me i know it's weird for arvind this is a unique circumstance for us but Ryan Lambert, who is always kind of like this, tweeted, the good news is... To be more precise, he's just always an asshole. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> not a good person online. Maybe he's nice in his personal life, but he's kind of a prick. So, the Sabres started off the season, three wins, no losses. They have since tacked on two losses, one of them in extra time, so they're 3-1-1 one one now. But Lambert tweeted, after the three wins, the good news is the Sabres have never gone on an unexpected winning streak, inciting a ton of blind optimism that was ultimately scuttled by a terrible roster. Man, you don't gotta do this. Okay? It's just like, let people enjoy things. But but and also, I, yeah, like, who are you talking to? Yeah. Or about? It's like, are, you think... Are there, you know, millions of Sabres fans on Twitter who are like, we're gonna win the cup, because I haven't seen them. No, not at all. I'd like, you know... And I follow, like, a non-trivial amount of Sabres fans, but... And even on, like, message boards, like Reddit or whatever, Sabres fans just being like, hey, I'm I'm happy that our young guys are playing well. Yeah, absolutely. Which they should be. Yeah, like, enjoy it while it's going. It it doesn't mean that they're going to be a playoff team. I don't think they will. But I don't think that they really believe that either, because as this said, as said... Sabres fans have been through a pile of shit for the last decade. It's like, the, the thing about this tweet is, that gets me is, like, the premise almost seems to be like, you know who needs to get taken down a peg? Buffalo Sabres fans. They've been riding high for too long, <laughs> feeling too good about their team with all the success they've had. And it, it's just, obviously they know that three wins doesn't guarantee them anything. They started out with um, a couple years, you know, where they had some preposterous record 10 games in as the tweet references it's like this just feels like you're trying to imagine someone that you're smarter than and then dunk on them which (laughs) is it's like like that tweet about how someone on twitter is always arguing with no one yeah it's like but i was told steph curry wasn't a good shooter yeah (laughs) it was like i was told the buffalo sabers were a cup contender no one said that yeah like there aren't any people holding that opinion anyway i i don't like that kind well, of contempt for well, anyone trying to scrape out some joy from a... What bothers me is that, like, I feel so many people use cynicism as a personality. Yeah. And it's just the least attractive thing in the world. It's the, like, no one wants to be around someone like that in real life. Yeah. 
like you know there's a reason dr house doesn't have any friends in the tv show <laughs> yeah you know and it's it's just at a certain point cynicism is a lazy way to feel smart because you end up just treating expecting the worst all the time as the same as being right but but more than that it's just you have to start doing this thing where you imagine people are naive and so you're you're sounding smarter than them and you're dunking on them and it's like this is just an exhausting way it's, to exist it's a much milder version of like people who are insane on conspiracy theories mm. right because like a lot of the drive of conspiracy theories is like oh you know i i other people are just accepting the party line or I'm thinking deeper about it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think this is, it's the way scaled down version of it, but it's just like, come on. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Anyway, this is, as we've said, kind of weird for us because our attitude towards the sabers is usually to laugh at them. We've done mm-hmm. it before. We will do it again if we get the opportunity, but it's like, you don't have to, sort of dunk on them for getting a crumb of joy early in the the hockey season in order to do that you know you can just point out things like hey the team is bad which they know so mm-hmm. okay all right yeah i think that's everything we wanted to discuss pretty pretty tidy around 40 minutes this week um we we played we've potted as long as the leafs have played decent hockey this year um but yeah i I think that's everything we wanted to discuss anything else you wanted to mention Fulman? nope that's it awesome so thank you everyone for listening you can catch all of mine and Fulman's work at pensionplanpuppets.com you can also follow us on twitter at rv and at Fulman. we'll see you next week